Hello, Alyssa. Hello, Clark. And hello, readers. This is Wordstruck, where we take a fresh look at great books. This season, we're reading Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, tell us a little bit about the chapters we just read, Alyssa. All right. So, chapter three, Letters from No One. Uh, we open up and we have, we see Harry. He's been released from his longest ever punishment after the boa constrictor incident, the chapter before. And then one morning when he uh, is making the Dursleys breakfast, he goes to get the mail and he discovers there's a letter addressed to him. And it's, it's addressed to Harry in the cupboard under the stairs, which is super weird. Which is and, hilarious, yes. <laughs> and so particular. And <laughs> the Dursleys confiscate it before Harry can read it. And because it was addressed in such a strange way, they then move Harry into Dudley's second bedroom. The next day, another letter arrives addressed to Harry in his new room. Thus begins a very lengthy battle between Uncle Vernon and the letters that would not be stopped, with Uncle Vernon first boarding the family up into their house to prevent the letters from getting in, and culminating in Uncle Vernon moving the family to a broken-down house on a rocky island. And the chapter closes with someone knocking at the shack's door at midnight on Harry's 11th birthday. So that's that's chapter three. A lot happens. A lot happens in this <laughs> chapter. A lot happens. I mean, it started off... Um... As simple as like this is a family it's a messed up family you know in the first uh chapter in the second chapter and it's like okay and here's a little hijink that they get into and then it's like man it, come chapter three it's just full bore where we see the furthest extremes of uncle vernon especially and we see you know the ultimate passivity of um petunia <laughs> when she tries to raise resistance to what's happening yeah he's he gets like legitimately crazy in this chapter like at first the first couple of chapters uncle vernon just seems like kind of an abhorrent person and then like it it seems here it doesn't take much to tip the scale into legitimate crazy yeah so this chapter starts off i keep wanting to say episode um this chapter starts off innocently enough a lot like the other one where it's of course like you said you know the family's chilling at the house just another day. Um, Harry just spent like a long time in punishment. Like while he got to hear Dudley just play with all the toys, he had been in punishment for so long that pretty much he missed the whole summer just being stuck. No, he missed. He missed the end of the school year. That was the okay, like. Wait, it, what? It was. Did I miss the sum- The summer holidays had started, is what it says. So, so like that. My oh, first wow. question when I read that was, did they keep him away from school? <laughs> Like, wow, sorry, I'm in the first sentence and I didn't catch that. <laughs> huh. You but, were uh, Yeah, yeah. So Harry <laughs> and Dudley, um, they're going to two very different schools and it, it talks about how Dudley's going into um, smeltings and Harry Potter has been going accepted into Stonewall. And when they talk about smeltings, it's it's a... Uh, the Dursleys, it's a alma mater, right? Vernon's alma yeah. mater? Yeah. It, yeah. And it's like the birthplace of tyrants, I swear. Like the way it's described. Oh, yeah. It's awful. And their outfit. Yeah, there's like this like school uniform and it involves like a straw hat and it's it's so bizarre. Um and it sounds kind of like a military boarding school, only without the discipline where it more encourages you to like go out and mess up the world and hit people with sticks. Um I really I wondered when I was reading that, like how reliable the narrator was in that and how how much they're actually encouraged to hit kids or if those sticks that they carry around and mm-hmm. 
and like the way that the entire uh all the, the student body operates and interacts with each other how much of that is grandfathered in from just really rotten eggs in the class and how much is actually intended and i sort of wondered when i was reading through like mm, mr dursley says that's what this is for and dudley says that that's what this is for like you said the narrator must be being a little bit um facetious or yeah hyperbolic yeah but but still that the understanding in that household is like we're sending this kid off to this this community that they'll he'll be hitting people and he'll be celebrated for it and that's just so warped (laughs) his current behaviors will just continue to be supported and and no one's gonna tell him no and i'm sure if the teachers did get upset then the parents will be all up about it so it's like we're seeing the next four years of harry and dudley's lives just like before us we're seeing you're seeing where it's going and it looks like it's going to be right on the same track where it's like we have smeltings that's just um encouraging of tyrants it, it wants to empower people and make them feel more special and like they should push people around and then you have stonewall which is uh where harry is going and like their school their uniforms are gray just like gray you know and it's uh just kind of a very boring public school it doesn't necessarily say they're underfunded or that it's falling apart it's just kind of discreet and and quiet and just kind of the default i remember when i when i was reading through this and um and we got to aunt petunia dyeing dudley's clothes gray Mm -hmm. for harry to be his uniform and i just got so sad when i was reading i was like oh my gosh he won't even he won't even fit in because they refused to cough up the money for for his school uniform yeah. and like and they're probably super cheap because it's a public school so they can't like make it super high quality or something like that yeah or, and, and, it, and it since it's a public school it might even be free i don't know like it might be provided by the school and it's, these are the parents that bought a gold watch and like a television and there's this entire room of just broken toys for their other child and yet they're not willing to cough up the the twenty pounds for the, it was for the my new shirt and maybe a tie. Broke you know, for Harry in that moment, I was so sad. <laughs> and, and everybody's like it, cringing just at the smell. And like I know they're gonna wash the smell or whatever, but it's just like it just is so. We just care so little about you, and they they mm-hmm. go out of their way to make that apparent, and it's really a bummer. And and then the letters start coming in through the mailbox, and it starts off. This is upsetting to me, too, because Harry Potter goes and he gets the mail, right? And um, he fetches the mail and he sees that there's a letter for him. And instead of just, like, delaying or, like, hiding it in his pocket or hiding it in his pants, he gives it... (sighs) This is upsetting. He gives it to Uncle Vernon. He just passes it over before he reads it. He, like, reads who it's to. And then, like, pretty much he's looking at it as um uncle vernon is looking at the other mail and then dudley calls him out on it dudley's like hey 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 harry potter has something harry has something and they notice but like oh i was just so annoyed i'm like he doesn't hand his letter over does he mm -hmm. not like like uncle vernon well he doesn't give it with a stack of letters no he gives them you know he gives uncle vernon uncle vernon's letters and then he keeps his own and starts reading it there but in my mind like how could he have not seen this coming I just I wonder how many things he's gotten with his name on it in his life. I mean, I yeah. bet there haven't been very many, and so like this may be the very first time. It's the very first letter that he's ever gotten, I'm sure. And it so he was probably, probably just like so holding strange. it and he's staring like, at it. Yeah, I don't know 
what to do with this. And like when everyone else gets mail, they get it. Like it's theirs. And they get to open it and Yeah. yeah I've seen this my whole sense. life. Yeah, in green <laughs> ink on like a thick yellow envelope. And and one thing, this is this is certainly I'm gonna skip ahead just a little bit, but at a certain sure. point there are like hundreds of these things flying down staircases and stuff. And like a little part of me is like, okay, so we're talking thick yellow stationery, green ink, and a wax seal. First of all, this is a major time commitment. Second of all, this is a major cost. Like it is not cheap to to mail or owl, whatever again jumping ahead but it's it can't be cheap or convenient to just like get all these letters out on this nice stationery with the wax seal so it's like even knowing that it's probably happened fantasia style with the magic where they just assembly lined it i'm still just in my mind i'm like man i feel like they could have done such a more effective job of getting the message to them without spending all this time and effort mm-hmm. um so it starts off with that one letter and vernon reads it and he just kind of goes pale and then he goes green and he passes it off to petunia who reads it and she she also goes pale but she kind of has like a a different reaction she she clutched her throat and made a choking noise yeah that's what it was she clutched her yeah so she made a choking noise and i'm just like oh come on like you're so cheesy and then she's like oh they must be watching us so it's like her first instinct is first of all to like be reactive and to make the choking sounds and then it kind of turns back into like this neighborhood gossip thing where it's just like oh they must be like peeking over our fence because that's what she does to other people but they also have to be watching i mean it's addressed to harry in the cupboard under the stairs no way did they broadcast that to the world that our adopted kid sleeps under the stairs yeah no way so Ampetunia has this reaction and they have this little conversation and they, and they go to kick the two out of the kitchen, uh, Dudley and Harry. And we get to see this interesting dynamic where, first of all, Harry Potter stands up to uh, Uncle Vernon. Fights for and he his actually, letter. Yeah, he fights for his letter and he says, I want my letter and he yells it. And I highly doubt he wants to spend another month or two, you know, confined to his room, especially now that summer had started. But he cares so much that he's going to stand up and he's going to yell at Uncle Vernon like, no, you give me my letter. Oh, my and gosh. That that reads so much like like a tantrum Dudley would throw. Just that one line. I, ju- I just thought about this. Of like, that's how Dudley gets what he wants. Oh, that's an interesting I point. want this. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure he yelled in the previous chapter. Like, I want my presence or something. And he got it. So in Weird. some sense, anyway. it's like, this is this is what you do that sometimes get a reaction. But uh, Uncle Vernon, he wants nothing to do with this, and he doesn't want anybody to touch it, anybody to see it. He he actually kind of, like, holds it away from Dudley and ignores his cries and essentially, like, pushes them out of the kitchen. But Harry and Dudley are both now super interested. Like, Dudley is like, oh, man, Harry got something. So he's jealous. He wants to get in on it. He probably wants to take it and hold it away from Harry and torture Harry with it. And then Harry just wants to read the dang letter. So we get Harry and Dudley, and, and it says here, let's see, page 36, it says, Harry and Dudley promptly had a furious but silent fight over who would listen at the keyhole. Dudley won, so Harry, his glasses dangling from one ear, lay flat on his stomach to listen to the crack between the door and the floor. So here we see this moment where these two kids are pushing each other and having this fight, and Dudley wins, but they both still just want to listen, and they both, you know, stop fighting, and Harry just, like, lays down and listens to the door. And I think this is such a clever way to write this and it paints such a good picture in one um relatively long sentence but still it's and this is a direct response to the dursley's motto of don't ask questions too 
and what they may have heard was this this pretty intense conversation between uh vernon and petunia where you know they're talking about like oh are they being spied on and um what are we going to do uh and then essentially saying like no we made this promise he's never going to find out we're going to keep this a big secret and um it seems like petunia really doesn't uh it's not that she doesn't care as much, but she's reacting much differently. Um, where you have Vernon, who's like, no, 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 never again, never again. And like, yeah, she, Petunia is clearly worried. She made the choking sound. She's worried about being watched and stuff. But like, oh, let's see, what is Petunia? I guess like, what do, what do you see with the difference between Petunia and Vernon? Like, in the I, way that they handled it. I think it's, it's, I think it's fascinating how much vernon does not listen to her because like as you know now that you've you've read through chapter four like petunia's been through this debacle a little bit with yeah it's it's from her family it's she she had a sister and that sister was a witch and so she she knows how persistent these people can be but her family probably didn't push them to the great lengths that vernon then pushes the administrators of Hogwarts, like I'm, we're, we refuse to receive your letters, so that's that's why he won't listen to her because he believes he knows. It's my job; I must protect my family. So it starts off with just a letter through the mail slot, and so he, uh, you know, tries to board up the mail slot, and so it, it Which comes to the fireplace. Which takes a whole day, by the way. He skips a whole day of work to nail the mail slot shut. And, and through all of this, Petunia wasn't able to talk him down. And and first, you know, they put a lot of letters through the mail slot. And then that doesn't work. So they start having the milkman deliver it. and, and the Which I love delivering, that. And rolled yeah. up in an egg tray. That's fantastic. Rolled up in an egg tray. Yeah, they had the little, oh, which is hilarious. And and. It, the biggest thing, as it keeps going on and the letters here are getting more and more ridiculous, I can't help but wonder if they're having, like, a lot of fun with this. The people at Hogwarts and the owl delivery service. Oh, and... I just, I'm totally picturing Dumbledore just, like, sitting back in his, like, study or whatever and just, like, giggling to himself at, like, yeah. all of the whimsy that he has. Like, ooh, how can I get it to them next? Ooh. Okay, so all these letters are coming in all these different places. First of all, let me get a little critical here. If there are enough letters flying through a fireplace, first of all, just for them to be like, for you to be able to hear them hitting the walls and stuff like that, we're talking hundreds, right? We're talking hundreds. How did Harry not get his hands on like a single one this whole time? And like at a certain point, especially because this was over the span of like a week, at a certain point, you think Harry would just kind of like, especially now that he has his own room, just like open the window and see what happens. Maybe one would come through the window. As the story continues and the places get more ridiculous, he still manages to keep Harry away from it. And it's just, he is, he's I don't think vigilant sleeps. About that. Yeah, he's it's vigilant. ridiculous. So first of all, he drives them to um, Coquirth. Do you know anything about Coquirth or where that I would totally be? I was going to Google it and I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, good story, right? I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's fun to guess, whatever. I mean, we can derive that it's probably a place like half an hour, 45 minutes away out of town. It's a little place with a crappy hole hotel. Hole in the wall place, H- yeah. Hole in the wall place. The truckers would stop, you know, if they wanted to not pay big city rates and they wanted a bit of privacy. Uh, but it's at this point, um, well, first of all, before they get in the car and stuff, we see another silly little thing where uh, Dudley 
is just again not having a good day so he's losing his room and now he has to get in the car and like he goes and again dudley's in denial of this whole thing too because dudley goes to pack his bag and he puts like he tries to put his computer in there and his television in there and he's trying to just like he thinks that this is going to be like a fun vacation maybe and we see this little glimpse or, of like, oh, Dudley. Or he's so chained to his uh, his technology and his sitting down. His his favorite pastime is sitting down and watching TV and doing Yeah, stuff. that's a good point. That's a good point. But alas, uh, they, they get in the car and <laughs> they drive off and Vernon tries to take them places. And the first place that he goes is... Um, yeah, this this hotel in Cokeworth, which I just googled, which is a four-hour oh. drive west of Surrey, which is a suburb of London, um, and it's like right on. Uh, what is this body of water? Um, it's it's right on the the coast, and like almost in it's like practically in wales like if you just cross the little firth there then you're in wales so oh wow yeah there are ways out then and then they drive around on this little escapade where vernon um stops at one place and he buys a gun as we later find out he, he buys a gun like what what are you planning on doing with that man what's curious to me is this whole time all these letters are being delivered do we ever see what's delivering them? I mean, like, it starts nope. off with the postman and stuff, but you never see what got it down the fireplace. You never see what got it to the hotel. You never see that. Where it's like, maybe they really are just legitimately flying through the air into the fireplace. Uh, it's interesting that we never see it. And especially with Vernon watching so closely and watching so attentively, I don't think he even sees it. And he's staying up all night. I, I would say that that Vernon has lived his whole life choosing blindness to these strange things. That it it's probably mm-hmm. hard for him to see it. And then I think at this point, um, like when we when the book started, it was a really I mean the the whole book is written in third person. Um, but in the very beginning of the book, it's a really wide third person where we kind of go in and out of people's different consciousnesses like we get we're in vernon's head even though it's third Mm -hmm. person and then we're in i think mcgonagall's head kind of even though it's Mm -hmm. third person we understand things and it's really broad and now i think it's it's narrowed quite a bit to harry Mm -hmm. and so maybe uncle vernon did see it but we're we don't we're not privy to his head the way that we were in the first chapter yeah and that could even show why I guess that would make sense because um, eventually Vernon comes to the conclusion that what they need to do is they need to get as far away as possible. And then when he realizes that the weather is turning, this makes him delighted. He is so happy that it's going to be like raining and stormy because whatever it is won't be able to deliver to him. So like maybe he does know that it's like owls and it's flying animals that won't be able to fly in the rain. Um because it's like if it is people pursuing them then like you know they can go anywhere that humans can go especially if they have a car you know it's like it wherever they go whatever storm they can bear another human can also bear so like if it is humans delivering these letters then they're not going to be stopped by rain so maybe the rain is because he saw owls or something could be um but like the question is like what does vernon think he's doing here like how much time does he really think he can buy 
I, yeah, I I really wonder what his end game is. He gets them to this house on this rock in the middle of nowhere, and he says he's brought them rations, which, oh, that's which turns out to be four bags of potato chips. And it's like seriously, yeah, four bags like, of potato chips and some bananas, some bananas. Like for the you are the plumpest human in the world, and you think four bags of potato chips are gonna cut it for feeding your family for what seems to be like an apocalypse level like wait out like we're like, moving you, you, here you to are, wait out a storm you are so committed to this and i really i wonder if he's committed to moving them there or if or if it's his plan to like we're gonna go here and then tomorrow we're moving to the other side of the country and then tomorrow we're moving to the middle of the country and then like if it's gonna be a moving every single day thing yeah there's but very little thought that goes into this and, and way, if there or, is a long-term plan it's not made evident and maybe and, maybe he's of the mind of like if i plan it out they'll 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 figure it out so i just yeah or like if i explain it to you then they'll hear it and you know there'll be another step ahead of us um but it's it's just a manic getting away getting away as far as possible and it's ridiculous and i i i really wonder if he believes that it will work or if he's just so far gone that it's the only thing he can control and so that's gotta be so far gone because like you said like there we spend every point of this book up until now seeing just how deeply ingrained they are in their lives and how things like Dudley always gets what he wants, always. And if he doesn't get what he wants, he throws a fit and it works. But here we are seeing every single convention that they have built up in the last two chapters just completely deteriorating, where it's like Dudley's complaining the whole time. He's super unhappy and it gets ignored. And usually he's a guy that goes to work every single day. Every single day he goes to work and he yells at people and stuff, but nope, he's staying home. And all of these things, we just see an undoing of every thread of this family. And we just see it torn apart. And um, Dudley, this whole time, like, it, Dudley just doesn't even exist anymore. Like, it, Vernon is in such tunnel vision mode that Dudley is just, like, not even acknowledged by Vernon. And, and he's smacked at one point by Vernon, and he's just kind of, like, pushed away. And it seems like petunia is the only one that like tucks him in at night and it's interesting how diminished the role of dudley is in this chapter because it's like yes we realize and there were several times in the chapter two where it's like the blankets were smelly and petunia tucked dudley away into the blankets and she gave harry the crappy one um but i was surprised that dudley wasn't throwing more tantrums and i i kind of was wondering what's going on in dudley's head here because to some extent the fact that he's not throwing a tantrum shows that he's somewhat accepted this and we even see Dudley kind of, it, I think the phrase, he doesn't mutter it. Um, yeah, so so Dudley says at one point, he's like, Daddy's gone mad, hasn't he? And it says, Dudley asked Aunt Petunia dully late that afternoon. So just kind of like flatly, like, Daddy's gone mad, hasn't he? Like, not even, probably even less emphasis it's, than that, where it's like, it's Like, just... he almost, when I read that, I, I read it as almost bored. Like, like, he's so disengaged from it, like... Oh, like daddy's gone mad hasn't he uh yeah like like a little sad like not not there's no real personal uh implications there i don't think in the way that's phrased of daddy's gone mad it's just this sort of i'm separated from this thing and yeah. i think that's part of that's part of the problem of D- dudley's really used to his dad engaging him and supporting him and all that and he, ex- he in this chapter he's told no for what i would 
think is the first time ever in his life yeah and and then it becomes a whole chapter of no and dudley does not stand up well to that he's he's he sort of withers yeah he withers away and he becomes you know generally he's more like his father where he's loud he's boisterous he talks over people he gets what he wants but now we're seeing him take more of like petunia's role where he's like oh like when it actually comes down to problems that need solved i'm just gonna let someone else take care of that i'm not the take charge solve problem things i'm just gonna play passive so we get to see this other side of dudley and even though it's not emphasized the 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 fact that it's not emphasized is kind of the point right the whole point mm-hmm. is Dudley's not being loud. Dudley's not raising attention to himself. He's just like, he's eating a banana and chips and he's sleeping. And he's, you know, he complains about the television, but like compared to most of Dudley tantrums, complaining about a TV show is nothing. Well, and I can you imagine like locking Dudley up in a car with no TV, no computer, no outside entertainment like that mm-hmm. for hours while the driver of the car is going rapidly insane and everyone else is afraid of him. And like, and, and like normally Dudley would be throwing a fit of I'm bored. Let's stop here. I want to go do that thing. And just, I'm hungry. Yeah. to, To try to commandeer the entire situation. And he doesn't. And yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to see him not throwing his weight around. And it's because someone else is throwing a lot more weight around. And is yeah. legitimately scared, and I and I think that that's affected Dudley too, of of dad's scared and crazy and bigger than me and winning, and yep. I don't like yep. losing, so I'm just gonna stop fighting. Yep, and pretend like you know, just again let someone else solve the problem, and so we end the chapter with uh, the whole family in this little cabin, not even a cabin, a shack. It's very much a shack on an island that they took a little rowboat to from like a crazy guy who i do you think the the crazy guy who lent them the boat do you think he was in on it i feel like he was in on it i i feel like he was in on on the letter delivery i I think he was a magic person yeah i feel like that was just one more level of like dumbledore being like i wonder if i if I send one of my friends there and he makes himself look like an old man and gives them a boat, like, would they would they really take a boat across the channel? Like, I don't know. I can't help but feel like maybe Dumbledore was just kind of really messing with them at that point just to see how far he would go. Um, maybe. I don't, I've never thought that the, the toothless old man was a part of the conspiracy. But, you know, but Dumbledore has far-reaching influence. So I yeah, I mean, he put it in the egg cartons. What's to say he's like, oh, you want to run away? Like, okay we'll let you run away buddy here's a have rowboat. fun with that <laughs> <laughs> oh and he's just you know watching him row the boat with his scrying ball and he's just like yes you sucker um could be mm-hmm. but we end up yeah with his family in the shack in a rainstorm uh, shivering in the cold with no food and somehow this is uncle vernon like do you think he really legitimately believes that he's helping the family or like is he he's is he just so far gone now that it's just self-maintaining and just like being like you said just getting as far away from the problem as possible or do you think that he like legitimately logically believes that he's helping them i i think it's a it's a physical representation of his denial i i think i i wondered while i was while i was reading it if he if if there's any um 
if there's any underlying desire to protect Harry, if if the good of Harry is in any way involved with it, and I think I think it's all self-preservation. I think it's all selfish, and I think it's all um, the only way he knows how to preserve himself is to deny the existence of anything that doesn't agree with what he agrees with. That's that's yeah. what I think it is. I don't think he's trying to protect Harry at all, or his family for that matter. I, th- I think, like you said, it is a selfish desire to just, like, get out of the situation. I d- but he's certainly not thinking about Dudley or his family. Like, the mere fact that he's putting them in a place where they, they can and will probably catch a cold or pneumonia and or something like that. And, and starve. And and this is not a viable thing to do, but he's doing it. So it's like, I don't think... And he bought a gun to bring in with yeah. his house to his... Where, where his son, who breaks everything, will also be. So, mm-hmm. And you know that kid's going to start messing with the gun if, if oh, totally. too much time would pass. Totally. And, yeah, breaking stuff is, uh, especially because he has an affinity for guns, he traded a parrot for an air rifle, if mm-hmm. I recall. So, so, the, so yeah. yeah. There's, none the... of that is, is maybe in some sort of poisoned part of his mind, he's protecting his family, but... He's protecting them with limited knowledge and limited tolerance for the truth. Yeah. So it it's it's flawed, and we can see that from where we are. I I could see him believing that this is all out of protection of his family, but it's it's protection in the form of preservation, and pre- the preservation is 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 preserving what it always has been, which is clearly faulted as we've seen for the past. Yeah, and it's not chapters. and it's not going back until this reaches a breaking point. Yeah. Which uh, comes to in the form of a knock on the door, which ends the chapter. A loud knock, like a like a like cannon sound. Um, counting down to Harry's eleventh birthday. Like, man. Yeah. Happy, happy birthday. Perfect timing. It's midnight. Perfect timing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's like Cinderella style. Um, yeah. So that's the end of the chapter. So yeah, that's uh, what, that's the chapter. It's chapter three. Uh, what what? What are your favorite parts of the chapter? You have any favorite lines? Oh. Mm-hmm. I for this chapter, I mm. my favorite line um is back when they're still at Privet Drive and mm. um mm. and Uncle Vernon is is muttering to to himself uh, the iconic line of no post on Sundays and he's just like giggling <laughs> to himself. He's and, like, I really got him. Really got and him. And he says and he he says no post on Sundays. He reminded them cheerfully as he spread marmalade on his newspapers. <laughs> like, what? Did I miss this? What page is this on? It's I on saw the page Sunday 41. Line. No. It's on page, yeah. No post oh, on Sundays as he's spreading marmalade on his newspapers. And you're like, you are unhinged. And it's only been a couple days. Like, oh my goodness. Oh, you know what I did notice that was similar? is when uh, right after that, he's, he's mailing up the mailbox i guess it's right before it actually and it said oh these people's minds work in strange ways petunia they're not like you and me said uncle vernon trying to knock in a nail with the piece of fruitcake aunt petunia had just brought him so yeah. he's like talking about how strange wizards are while using like a piece of fruitcake as a as a hammer and like yet they're the strange ones and it's it's just a funny um... well and i love i love the multi-layeredness of that line too because yeah, you know the joke of like fruitcake is is just it's like hard as rock. And Nobody actually eats so it's it. Like, it's like on top of him using the wrong thing to hammer a nail in. Um, 
Also, Petunia is a terrible cook. Like, like it shows you these two different. It's so there's so much dimension in just that one weird little detail. Yeah, <laughs> and and that's definitely one of my favorite lines. And <laughs> so that's certainly one of my favorites. And then again, I do just really like the imagery of of Harry and Dudley battling over who gets to listen through the keyhole versus, and especially just with harry his glasses dangling from one ear lay flat on his stomach where it's like he's been pushed around his glasses are dangling and yet he's still just like listening um so yeah on to chapter four the keeper of the keys where we meet hagrid so um in in the keeper of the keys hagrid uh comes in to the hut and he he like kicks the door down and and just sort of makes himself at home and he like puts puts the door back on the hinges, no big deal, and, like, lights a fire that no one else could light a fire with before. And then pretty soon he's, like, cooking a meal and just kind of being all friendly and pleasant, but just still, like, enormous in this tiny hut. And, like, the Dursleys are always in these scenes in the back, just, like, in fear and in protest. And while Hagrid's there, he he introduces himself to Harry and he tells Harry he's a wizard and delivers his letter to him, which turns out to be an acceptance letter to Hogwarts from Professor McGonagall. And uh, also in this chapter, we hear from Petunia on what it was like to be a muggle with the witch for a sister. And we hear from Hagrid some of the story of how parent how Harry's parents died and about Voldemort's disappearance after they were killed. And um, after all of this sort of information that we get, then uh, Uncle Vernon just protests for the last time and it irritates Hagrid so much. And, And Uncle Vernon's protesting like, no, he won't go to that crazy school of yours that Hagrid gives Dudley a pig's tail with an umbrella. Not the hairstyle, not the hairstyle. No, no. It's an There's actual pig's no tail. Hairband involved. It's coming out uh, right out of the butt. Well, <laughs> and, butt area. And in total fear, the Dursleys run away, close the door to the only other the only door inside the house, and leave Harry with this giant man, and the two of them fall asleep in the living room, and that's that's where our chapter ends. So a lot of stuff happens here too. <laughs> a lot of stuff happens in this chapter, and a lot of I feel like Hagrid spends so much time telling Harry, oh man, it, this seems like too much information to tell somebody at once. And and part of it, because Hagrid told him like, you're a wizard, first of all, which in this world, like that's not really a concept. Like, yeah, of course everybody knows what a wizard is, but the idea of it being real, like first of all, that's just a preposterous premise. So he's like, first of all, you're a wizard. Second of all, your parents died, not in a car crash, but they were killed and you survived and you may actually been a part of the reason that they died you certainly didn't help uh but you survived oh oh and also you're a wizard that i mentioned that and you're famous and you're leaving tomorrow it's just like so much stuff where it's just like i kind of want to start like halfway through and just be like hey good hey good hey 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 stop like stop talking like let him soak it in let him sit eat some cake and be like let's talk about how you're a wizard and just kind of like work on that and then but instead Hagrid's just like oh you didn't know this you didn't know this you didn't know this like what do you like is it just me or was it just like too much information for this 11 year old kid so when when I was reading this chapter and I thought I I really struggled with the writing of this chapter actually I thought that Hagrid 
Hagrid was a, a, a sort of um, stiff information dump. Like, all those questions that you have, you, you get them answered. We need, we need to get a lot of this out of the way. And so there's he just, like, blew through all this stuff. And maybe maybe there's a point to that, that, like, he, he was surprised. He did not expect that he was going to have to explain his entire world to this kid. And he's yeah, not quite but... sure what the most important parts are. Like, like, Clark, if I were to ask you, like, what what is humanity? Like what? I'm a, I've always thought I was a book. <laughs> what? Like oh boy, you're, where do I you're start? You're a person. Like <laughs> oh, what does what does personhood yeah. mean? Like this. I mean, it's it's and, it, and it's that inherent to him being a a wizard or or knowing about the wizarding world is that second nature to him that trying to explain it to this kid who knows nothing and on top of that, this kid who is is famous and who was a part of this somehow the fall of one of the most evil wizards in all of history like like that is a lot of information you you need to give this kid a and he's got less than a day to equip him before he puts him into a situation where he's gonna have to know like yeah <laughs> so i guess in one sense hagrid yeah he wasn't expecting to have to pack it into this little time either so he yeah it makes sense that he would do a bad job because he wasn't prepared he wasn't ready so of course he did a bad job and he kind of went out of order and he put in a bunch of stuff just really fast but i but agree it with was, the writing it was style. hard to read it was really hard <laughs> it's hard to read and it was frustrating because like mr dursley kept um cutting in and like i was i was just kind of annoyed by all of the characters in this chapter not gonna lie except for harry harry's cool and i guess petunia was cool too whatever but uh like, I wasn't a huge fan of how Hagrid was handling the situation. I definitely didn't like how Uncle Vernon kept trying to stand up and, like, be like, oh, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it. And it's like, or what, man? Like, how are you still not seeing that there is nothing you can do here? Like, you have gone to this island, you're stranded, they still found you. It's this giant, he's in your house starting fires, cooking stuff. So it's like, how do you still think that you have any control in this situation? And I just man the amount of denial that this guy is in and i guess that makes sense his uncle vernon he is the king of denial but like it just he he just continues to be more and more and more ignorant of how bad the situation is and how little control he has over his life well and then the the thing that that gets me is i feel like like the dursleys have such little regard for harry in 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 all reality Mm -hmm. and so at that point, when there's a giant in your living room and he's saying, I'm going to take him away, like, why don't they just let him? Like, they yeah, clearly don't love him. Know. And and they and, and so I just, I really, that's why I wondered the previous chapter, like, is any of this out of protection for him? Like, what what is leading to them protecting Harry too? And it, Especially because... We find out that, like you said, he's he's wanting to take Harry Potter away. Wouldn't that be pretty beneficial to them? Where it's like, what if Harry just left and didn't come back? And it's like, yeah, well, we don't want one of those in the family. And it's like, if you think Harry Potter is going to come back and hang out with you after going to Hogwarts, you're wrong. He's not going to be like, hey, guys, done with school. I'm going to come live with you again. It's like, no, of course he wouldn't. Like, he's not bringing it back to the family at all. He's going to go and never come back. So it's like, how is that not a win for you? I wonder if they're if they're thinking like we treated this 
kid horribly did we unwittingly create our villain and if he's a wizard will he come back and destroy us that very well could be especially because so many of the times that they've been triggered in the past is when he did exhibit powers and it did do things you know like the snake or like he was able to evade them that one time or like his hair grew back and and he ended up on the roof of the school or something like that so it's like I guess they could just see the writing on the wall of like, oh no, like he was able to outwit us or make our lives more difficult before he even had any training. Yeah, that very well could be it. And he could come back and exact vengeance. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense because it certainly seems like them having Harry Potter taken away would be the best possible thing for their family. I mean, they would get yeah. all that storage space under the stairs, you know? They could get more stuff. Well, they've, they've got the storage space under the stairs now, because they moved they them do. out. They do now, now Dudley can have his room of broken things back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. So, so what, it, what did you think of um, Petunia's final eruption of information? Oh, yeah. I, we see I, her just, yeah, just verbal diarrhea just all over the place and talking about... Uh, and again, the writing style, there's there's a lot of exposition here that feels pretty, like, exposition bot-ish, where it's like, I think Hagrid, if you were to just sub out Hagrid's name for exposition bot, I'd be like, oh yeah, yep, of course. It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the person Here's who's going to tell to me know. everything I need to know, <laughs> yep. And then Petunia falls into her role, and she's like, hi, even though I've never said more than one sentence at a time, here I am with a well-constructed thought of, of everything that sums up my experience with this exact moment and why it matters and it's just like that's convenient like (laughs) i guess maybe you've been thinking these thoughts for so long and you've been practicing it and thinking it through that you just like it's it's just on the tip of your tongue and you just want to say it so we finally got to witness that um but what we end up with is petunia talking about how her sister is a a witch or was a witch is um and how that made life for her family difficult and how again like the little things like what harry did where harry you know, as soon as her sister learned all these little tricks with the frogs and stuff, she would use it to come back and torture her. Well, maybe not purposely, but she would play with it and and make her feel left out or f- make her feel different. So, yeah, Harry, Harry's mom, it, it kind of makes sense, though. You see a little bit of why Petunia is the way that Petunia was and why she wouldn't want to repeat it again. Yeah, and it, I, I feel like that there's this strange undercurrent of like Petunia didn't want anything to do with this but also she was a little jealous of it like they were so proud of having a witch in the family and like that implies they weren't proud of you and so I, I wonder I wonder if she's sort of doing the same thing to Harry of 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 she understood they're proud of Lily and ashamed of me so she's proud of her son and ashamed of Harry. And it's sort of an interesting swap. Yeah, that makes sense. Especially because, um, yeah, yeah, that does make sense. And it kind of shows it's like, no, you're not special. Just because you have this blood doesn't make you any better than any of us. Thank you very much. And mm-hmm. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And And part of it could be the fear that, you know, she would get tortured or bullied or left out again if Harry Potter to get these powers and i think part of it too is she knows that if harry starts exhibiting these powers uncle vernon's probably going to blame it on her somehow where it's like oh it's your family it's your sister that's 
this is because of your side of the family like if 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 it was just me and if i was someone else if i was with someone else this wouldn't be a problem so it's like in a lot of ways this is her fault i have never thought of their marriage being on the line never oh yeah like Like, this is that's what it would come her fault yeah if he started to see it as her fault like he's he's a doer and and oh yeah he's gonna get away from that so fast Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Especially because it's like I've all never she's done. That. They've yeah, just always yeah. seemed like such a strong unit that no. I've never even questioned it. But oh my gosh. Yeah, she has a lot on the line here. And and this is part of what we see is is her breaking down and being like, No, this is something I want so far out of my life because it endangers everything that I have. Whether it's my son, whether it's my safety, whether it's everything. So she has so much on the line that we see coming out here. And um yeah, that's just kind of, uh, that's just kind of like a couple paragraphs out of this chapter, and there's so much more in this chapter. But it is such, we really are seeing the furthest extents of everyone's emotions here, except for again, kind of Dudley. He's he's very much a small character in this chapter, and he's more used as like a prop to help further the whining and stuff like that. So Dudley isn't isn't really a character here, but he's had his three chapters. He's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we get to see Petunia and her saying you know all of these things about life and how harry potter's father took her away and it just made things worse and they got married and then all this stuff but it's crazy that she's so insensitive to their death and that she is so like okay with the fact that they died and they were murdered and like they're both okay with it where it's like it's not that they were happy that they died but she certainly doesn't seem sad that's not she's, what we she's get probably from of the mind that like you brought it on yourself. You went to the school. You kept choosing mm-hmm. to go back to mm-hmm. the school. You knew the dangers. You probably, sh- I mean, Lily probably sat her down at some point and was like, hey, this is going on and it's it's not okay. And here's what I need you to do to protect yourself. And she probably talked her all through it when yeah. they were at war and everything. And she's probably like, just get out. And, and she didn't get out and so she's probably like she had it coming she had every chance to get out and she didn't it's possible i kind of see in my mind that i doubt the two sisters really talked after hogwarts because it's like what would you talk about it's like you know if lily were to ask petunia oh how was your weekend she's like good i went to the mall what did you do and she's like oh we chased giant spiders through a forest and it's like i don't (laughs) think they talked i really don't (laughs) think they were close i i think i don't think they were close but i do think they were family I like I don't think they were close but I do think they were family. And if you're if you perceive yourself to be in danger and, Yeah, you might think and, of fair and, to and warn you, those around you. Yeah. And you know Especially your your, your adversary is someone who goes after family, which I I think Voldemort did and I think they knew. I think she would sit down. She would she would give them some warning of, you know, do these things to protect Ooh, yourself. Question. Uh question. And feel free to not answer because it's a loaded question. Does Voldemort kill muggles? Is he above that? Like, because now we're talking like criminal realm because it's like the whole point of keeping like muggles and wizards and witches and stuff, that whole world separate is of like, if you cross those streams and you get the FBI looking into like what happened here, you know, it's like that, that could be a major problem. But like, but at the same time like i have in my head i'm like okay voldemort is this super super bad guy so he kills people so it's like why would muggles be off limits if he's not following any of the codes of wizardry why would he respect the code of thou shall not kill muggles 
you know, because he's killing people anyway. He's made up his mind that he's killing people. So I can't help but wonder, like, were they actually at risk? Or is this line drawn in the sand where it's like, nope, magic doesn't work on them. No, I, I think magic works on them. So I'm curious to see just how bad this Voldemort guy is. Is he, does he want to be king of the wizard verse or does he want to be king of the universe like when he gets followers and power and stuff like that does he also want political power in the in the secular non-wizard realm or does he just want to be the you know master wizard you know it's like i'm curious to see how large the scale is of his taking over um maybe that's that's jumping way way ahead and i yeah, can't I'm, I'm not gonna answer. answer that i am not gonna answer that yeah. but <sighs> anyway I, but um... i do think that that <laughs> question i think that question demonstrates what uh we were talking about earlier which is that hagrid is really vague like that there, there are you're gonna get an answer to that question it's gonna be one way or the other at some point <laughs> yeah yeah and who knows but, and but he- when when Hagrid explains the character of Voldemort, it's mm-hmm. he wanted power, he got followers, and he killed people horribly. Yeah, and the people your parents. that yeah parents That's, and, and the people those that are rebelled. It for the details. Yeah. And and, and, and so it's like you, you like... don't you don't know why he wanted power. You don't know who he wanted power over. You don't know um, what. Uh, how he killed people you don't know what his ultimate goal was you don't know anything about that other than power yeah and 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 that's such a vague thing i mean obviously every great villain in all of history wanted power in some way and they and it could look so different it could look like religious power it could look like political power it could look like like fiscal power monetary power it could look like power of will it could look like so many different things and it could be all of them combined or it could be nothing it could power yeah. over could be power over elements like, and and it seems like whatever this is he wants to keep it seems like dumbledore is the one thing that kind of is uh stopping him and, and they thought maybe dumbledore was the reason why he was staying away from hogwarts and it, I guess maybe this is going out of order here, but like going back to it, when you read uh, Dumbledore's qualifications. Oh yeah. Supreme mugwump. I love that. Yeah. So it's uh, Albus Dumbledore, order of Merlin, first class, grand sorcerer, chief warlock, Supreme mugwump. Do you know, is that, is that just a, is that a rolling thing? Is that a JK Rowling thing? Or is that um, canon? I'm, I'm pretty sure Supreme mugwump she made up. It does come back somewhere around like book six where you actually oh, that's learn hilarious. what it is. Um, I'm so looking forward to that. But it's just this sort of funny word to hold the place that's just so wonderful. I love it. <laughs> Supreme Mugwump, International Confederation of Wizards, which sounds very racist for some reason. Uh, but we're talking Order of Merlin, which like I was interested because you don't mess I, around I think, with Merlin. <laughs> you don't mess around with Merlin, and I, I remember talking about how it's like I don't want to compare him to Merlin because I want to let him be his own type of wizard and not just a Merlin clone. Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. nope, nope, he is uh, from the Order of Merlin, so it's like it's very fair to make that comparison because he is of that legacy, and so I feel a little, little vindicated. Um, we see a lot here of of Hagrid and showing how much he cares for his parents, and I feel like this is probably one of the moments where harry's like okay i like this guy 
because not only did he get me a birthday cake, which is so sweet, but he's still just like, mm, I don't know. And he, and he wanted to say thank you. But what he said is, who, who are you? And and so it's like he's still not really um, sold on this guy. And uh, I think probably this moment where he kind of breaks down, and he's talking about his parents. In my mind, this is when Harry's like, I am 100 percent on your team. You are officially like my guy and like forget this family like you you care about something that i care about uh because he's just like crying and then uh he goes on and talks about like okay well we got to get you ready though and he and he was saying this is one thing too hagrid talks about how he he practiced magic and when he turns dudley he gives dudley his pig's tail he's like oh i meant to turn him into a pig but you know i didn't do a very good job i'm not very good with magic honestly like even though I've, I've listened to this book before and stuff like that, I guess I never really realized that Hagrid uh, was a magic user. I, th- I thought, like, in my mind, giants are a different subclass in, in the fantasy realm. Like, giants are giants. They're usually friends with humans and, and wizards. But for the most part, they're, they're used as laborers. They're used as, like, the gentle giants that, you know but magic users i wouldn't picture a giant as a magic user even if he's a half giant i still don't picture him as a magic user usually when you picture half giants it's you know your barbarians your warriors never like someone that you would give a wand but maybe that's exactly the point is he wasn't very good because he's a half giant he's a clumsy thing oops my fault i did the wrong thing like what do you think there well yeah i actually i had a question for you that um i'd like you to predict something Ooh, okay prediction um, because Hagrid tells him that uh, that I was expelled. Mm. I, w- I was expelled. And mm-hmm. that's... I'm not supposed to be doing magic because I was expelled. And then Harry asks him, why were you expelled? And that's the first question that Hagrid doesn't answer. Mm-hmm. And he answers every other question of Harry's that night. So why do you think Hagrid was expelled? Uh, I think he legitimately turned his feet into baby dolphins. And... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> everybody was so creeped out by the noises that were coming out of his feet that they're like bro you got you gotta go this is too much you've gone too far this is animal cruelty that's what that yeah is. he was tr- yeah he was trying to turn himself into a dolphin and then he actually just turned his feet into baby dolphins um that was tr- <laughs> that's the best prediction <laughs> <laughs> uh that or oh boy I wouldn't be surprised if he released a cave troll or something, even though I, I don't think that's actually a fireable offense or an expellable offense. I think that's just like an, a yearly hazing ritual. Unleash the troll. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just like par for the course. And the janitor hates that week, but it happens every week. It's hazing, uh, you know. It's hazing. It's, it's... <laughs> he did what? You're trying he woke to up do the troll? Uh, classic, oh classic. It's a week Dad early this thing. year. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy. Oh, question for my wordstruck friend who who likes word stuff. Uh, Hagrid. Yeah, that's you. (laughs) Hey, Alyssa. (laughs) Uh, Hagrid is just, they're they're alluding to Hagrid, right? Oh, Oh, gosh. I didn't look up the meaning of Hagrid's name. Like, I think it's just close to Hagrid, where it's like he's he's just kind of a rough-looking guy with an untamed beard and stuff like that, and he's probably a bit, like, rough and tumble. So I just thought Hagrid. And maybe that's just because they're synonyms, but... Okay, so I so I googled it, and dictionary.com, who knows how hmm. reliable this is, says <laughs> Hagrid is a verb. What? Um, 
Hagrid is to afflict with worry, dread, need, or the like, or torment. Ooh, that's perfect for this chapter. That's interesting. Exactly, this chapter is what it's perfect for, because that's what he does. He comes to their house, he's bah, he's taking up their whole house, and he is just delighted by it. He's just like, everything they throw at him, he's like, oh yes, yes, go to me, I dare you, like, see what I'm capable of. And he's just kind of like cackling, which I think... um from what i've seen in the movies like he's presented as much softer in the movies where he has kind of a a fluffy beard and like yes it's a big beard but he kind of has like this jolliness to him and and that's what i've seen from the still images of hagrid and but in the book he's not jolly he's really not he's big and he's clumsy and he does have a beard but he is in no way santa but i feel like um this is so great i i I just found a, a database of um harry potter name meanings online Hmm. the internet is a wonderful place that's a wonderful (laughs) place (laughs) it's also sometimes a terrible place but you gotta watch where you uh, sometimes this this database says that uh if you were hagrid in old english it would mean you were having a bad night oh so that's the perfect perfect name for this that is the perfect name for this guy this this guy like you you will come to see like he's a wonderful character and and so beloved but he's I think partly beloved because he doesn't have the best luck. Oh, and, and and he like like we've all, we've already found out he's expelled. He does magic when he's not supposed to. He's this very large fellow who doesn't quite fit in places. And when when McGonagall was talking about, oh my gosh, Dumbledore, you gave the baby to Hagrid. Like, yeah, what are you thinking? Yeah. Like, and she she was like worried about that. And so he's yeah. not really trusted with precious things. And so you, you've got all these little details that sort of show that he's not perceived super well. And that, I think, would amount to having a really bad life. Yeah. Like, you're, you're just not having a great life. He just just can't win. Just can't gain the respect yeah. of people. Just, you know, he's, he's a groundskeeper. That's what he does. And groundskeeper at a castle like someplace like hogwarts i can't imagine like how it's a big lawn to mow (laughs) how terrible that would be because like not only usually groundskeepers like okay they have sawdust that they sprinkle on puke and they clean it up and they of course just do the general cleanliness sweeping mopping repair work but like i have a strange feeling that when the cave troll comes in they're like hey hagrid Guess what you got to do today, buddy? Got a job for you. <laughs> we got a job for you. We got to get this cage roll. And he's just like, oh, like FML, man. Like, why? Why me? Uh... So one other thing I did want to talk about was uh, Hagrid's fear of the name. Mm. Fear mm-hmm. of Voldemort's name. And and it was so surprising to me, even though, like, I know this story, but, like, it occurred to me when I was reading that I've never feared a name that well hmm. and uh, that extremely. And there are, there are all sorts of horrible people in history, living and dead, that we mm-hmm. we use their names so uh, so unabashedly. Yeah, to the point and... where it's like it. There's you. You would make fun of the type of people that would just name drop Hitler and be like, "Oh, Hitler," and it's like, "Oh, well, nothing beats Hitler. <laughs> nothing yeah. trumps like... Hitler." But <laughs> um, <laughs> and like the but the closest that I got, I mean, I, I made a whole list of like Hitler, Stalin, Robespierre, Napoleon, Attila the Hun, Osama bin Laden, 
the one that came closest to me of fear of a name was mm-hmm. joseph coney um of, 2012 yeah. yeah of uganda and and like there was a fear there because he was still alive and was still powerful yeah and it's like and, and we weren't sure where he was and it's like he's doing these things that are abhorrible but and, and we the can't more, seem to get our hand around him the more information you circulate the more angry he gets then the more he does sort of a thing and so the the fear of the name struck me in that moment as oh my gosh it's the world believes he's disappeared, but they still fear the name, which means they still believe there's power there. And yeah. they still believe there's there's either somewhere in them they don't trust that he's gone or or I, I can't imagine any other reason why you would fear a name like that. And and it was just so surprising to me. And the and so anyway, the Hagrid fears this name and stutters over it and has such a hard time spitting it out. And then Harry starts to say the name and like Hagrid shudders before he even gets a syllable yeah, out. Yeah, so Harry withdraws and he's like, oh, He's oh, like, no. oh, you know who. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, I'm, and I'm in on this. <laughs> it's just fascinating to me because, because the way Hagrid's described Voldemort, I really think he's been so vague. He like, Harry knows like this guy killed my parents. He was a bad guy. Who had followers and killed some people who were against mm. him that's all i know about this guy and also i'm supposed to be afraid of him yeah but it didn't it's, take long before he adopted the not saying his name thing it, it took exactly one saying of his name before he's like oh oh nope we don't do that i i don't think that he he converted though in his soul like i think oh certainly I think not he converted not in his soul out of out of politeness respect yeah politeness and, and respect. respect and 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 trying to fit in and and it i was reading it and i was like this is how we teach fear like this kid he doesn't fear it no but hagrid's perpetuating the fear by by teaching him we don't say that name that name's scary and it was just so surprised which is so, weird so because he he was trying to, to emphasize me. how harry potter was somehow like more powerful than him but the mm-hmm. message that Harry Potter actually took away from it is, no, 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 you should be very afraid of this person. Even though they couldn't even kill you when when you were a child, they, he couldn't even kill you. But you should like, still be afraid of him. You're going to be a strong wizard, a great wizard. You're going to be awesome. But careful with that name. Cause careful just... with that name. Because even and if not, you say that name. Not necessarily that you saying the name is going to inflict pain or harm or anything. But, but the rest of the people around you aren't aren't as strong like like he's not saying like you shouldn't say that it'll be bad for you but it's just it's so abhorrent to hagrid like ooh, like no i don't i don't want to think about it it's it's sort of an interesting brand of 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 the dursley denial like like a wizarding version of it like i I don't want to acknowledge this thing i'm not even going to acknowledge the name of this thing so I think there are probably two different camps within the Potter sphere, Potter realm, Potter verse. Uh, I'll, I'll pick my favorite one and edit it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pottertopia, uh, crap. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think um, when it comes Potter to Voldemort, Corp. there's there are probably some <laughs> awesome. Uh, there are probably two uh, kind of different. Uh, trains of thought that people believe so one they're the people that actually believe that Voldemort was somehow smited because they haven't seen him and and they think that he's been defeated and they're happy and stuff like that um and then there's probably the people who outrightly are like no 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 he's gone he's just he is 
training up and getting more powerful and he's going to come back stronger than ever um part of me feels that everybody in the potterverse is probably a little bit in the back of their minds they're like eh, he's not gone he's going no dragon body. ball z style he's he's training somewhere for 200 years like a like the monkey king trapped in his little thing he's just training and getting stronger and getting stronger and he's going to come back with a vengeance and i feel like even the people who are like yay he's gone i feel like nobody is safe from the creepy crawly thought that like he is definitely not gone because if he was dead like he'd be dead right like there'd be a body there'd be something and and you would know that he was dead but i feel like everyone has even the people who are so so declarative of voldemort being dead i think even in the back of their minds it's still there it's still a tickling thought and that's why the name is so powerful because like you said with coney it's like who really knows though who really knows and and maybe he is keeping a list of all the people talking crap about him and maybe he is going to remember all those people that celebrated his death and those are the people that he's going to come back for and he's going to gun for so even if you become friends with someone oh and i can't even imagine the people who were his followers but then they came out of it and they came out of the spell and it's like the spell had been lifted talk about a potential sleeper agent right like talk Mm -hmm. about like yeah you can be friends with that person and it could be this uh, this terrible experience and you could be like oh man i'm so sorry that happened to you he just had so much control over you but in the back of my mind i'd be like and i am totally ready for when you snap back into it when he comes back to life and he snaps his fingers and you become one of his agents and you were a sleeper cell this whole time so i feel like the the terrorism that occurred when voldemort went away it runs so deep where you can't even trust someone who was even even the child of someone who was under a spell where it's like oh well your parents were one of Voldemort's followers, so you're weak to it, so you're a sleeper cell. So I feel like this whole thing, like it is a, it is contagion upon society, where everyone who has touched, um, either been on Voldemort's side or been against Voldemort, it's it's there, the, and it's the not lines going are still drawn. The lines yeah. are still drawn, but nobody's talking about it because why would you talk about it? Why would you tell your friend? It's like, oh yeah, no, you're my best friend, but you're totally a sleeper agent of Voldemort. Like, no, you're never gonna have that conversation. That would ruin your friendship. And that goes unspoken. And that would ruin your family, too, if you told someone where it's like, you know, it's like, just so you know, I really, really upset Voldemort. (laughs) Just so you know, I feel like the kid would be like, what? You did what? Like, you are, I'm getting so far away from you. I do not want to be associated with you because it's a fear thing. Or or you have your true believers who are, you know, I, I I was on his side and I, like... He's a martyr. Times yeah. times were good then. Like he was fighting for something good. He truly. We don't know what he. Was, we still don't know what he was fighting for. So yeah, we. I mean Clark. <laughs> <laughs> Alyssa knows everything, guys. Alyssa's read it all. Every. She knows why. She knows why he was expelled. She knows. <laughs> she didn't deny the baby dolphin thing, so that's still on the table. That, that's. I'd expel someone who turned their feet into baby dolphins. Well, I don't know about you. Oh, just animal cruelty. I mean, animal cruelty. It. Oh man, you're walking on dolphins, dolphins on dry land, no less. <laughs> walking on dolphins on dry land. You ever had one of those days where you feel like you're just I'm walking, walking on, dolphins on dolphins on dry dolphins. land? I know I have. Oh, and don't it feel good? Good stuff. So, so uh, what were, do you what have a favorite quote? Oh boy, oh boy, I thought. Uh, is it that time? Ask. It's that time. Uh, well, yeah, I was word struck by a thing or two. Um, 
Look how I'm going to try and work the name of the podcast into, into every episode. Just force it down. Word struck. Um, <laughs> I guess. So we were just talking about how, about like Voldemort's reach and how strong he was, right? But <laughs> with everything I had to say about it, this is what Hagrid had to say about it, which I, I completely had already said. Gulpin gargoyles, Harry. People are still scared. <laughs> like, gulpin gargoyles. It's like... <laughs> What are you doing, buddy? Like, why are you... Why did you choose those words to convey such a serious message? I um, have never thought of that image. What is the purpose of a gargoyle? A gargoyle, like, essentially, like, spits water. So a gulping mm-hmm. gargoyle, like, stops what it's doing. Well, it's like, yeah, this this thing that's made of stone is so, like, it, it caught off guard that even it chokes, even though it's stone because of the sunlight. <laughs> that's great. I've never thought about that phrase. Yeah. <laughs> So it's good stuff. I like that. I like that. And, and then, and um, then he comes back with galloping gorgons later, which who knows yeah. what that means. <laughs> yeah, his, his alliterations are fantastic. Like, it, especially gorgons, to my knowledge, are not generally horse riders, nor are they hooved. Um, I have no idea what of, a gorgon is. I think my favorite line, though, from a writing standpoint, um, not just a humor standpoint, was when Harry looked up at the giant and he meant to say thank you, but the words got lost in the way to his mouth. And what he said instead was, who are you? Um I like that we got to, even though, like you said, it's third person, but we still get to be inside of his head. That is the epitome of that, where it's like, it it, it didn't, it described his thought process, but it did it somewhat objectively and somewhat with, from a distance, but it explained perfectly the thoughts that went through his head. So I feel like that was um, a great example of writing, a great example of telling us without, uh, of just kind of walking us through it in a nice way. So that's probably my, my favorite quote. How about you? And if it were any farther out of his head, we wouldn't have gotten his gratefulness. Like, yeah, yeah. Like there's, you could write that in a way and he would just be this either sort of obnoxious or, or detached or there's so many different ways just who are you would be, it could be accusatory. You could be anything, but because of the way it's framed, you get this wonderful, thankful image of this kid who is also so confused <laughs> yeah or it could just say like harry potter stopped for a moment as if he was thinking of what to say and what he ended up saying was who are you and it's like no 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 yeah. it's like the this was such a graceful way mm-hmm. uh what was your favorite quote my favorite quote um mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. is on page 52 um and it's que- questions exploded inside harry's head like fireworks and he couldn't decide which to ask first yeah, I like, um, that. I like that. And it's it's this wonderful, wonderful uh, payoff of after all of these iterations, don't ask questions, don't ask questions, don't ask questions. Mm-hmm. And he finally gets to ask questions and he gets answers. And it's and, and I love the imagery of just like I can ask questions and it's like fireworks. Yeah, and it fills it's up his whole so mind. Beautiful. It lights it up and it, it probably Especially because fireworks in your mind, like, what do fireworks do? They light up things around you. And I feel like it... And they're beautiful and they're thrilling and it's, it's so... It gets your it's pulse such going, such a wonderful yeah. way to... And, and it's such a, a wonderful way to depict learning. Like, there's so many ways mm-hmm. that learning is depicted. It can be drudgery and it can be such hard work and all this. But instead, this kid, it's, it's, he lights up at... at the possibility of finally getting answers and it's it's such a wonderful payoff and after three chapters full of just you can't ask any questions ever 
and it reminds me so much um a few years ago i uh, it was the fourth of july and i had a friend who's like oh man like you need to come over to my friend's house for the fourth of july he lives like right next to the park and we can get on the roof and we can watch the fireworks and i'm like okay that sounds fun um so we go there we have our beers we get on the roof and we it's kind of a fun experience you know climbing up this is this was back in montana we're hanging out on the roof is kind of more of a novelty whereas like here in brooklyn it's like yeah you go out on your roof that's that's what you do when there's too many people to fit in your house is you go up to the roof right uh but this was back in montana and we were all laying there on the roof and the fireworks started and like i i knew we were close to the fireworks but all of a sudden a single firework just one firework we were so close to it that when it blew up the outside of the firework the edges of it were out of my field of vision we were that close where it's like i couldn't even see the whole firework and and there was just firework after firework after firework and i would have to like actively move my head around to see the entirety of the firework because we were that close and it was and you could feel each shell hit you like you could feel the shock wave hit you from each shell and it just put me in this state of just nostalgia where I just was laying there and I'm like, I'm never going to forget what this feels like. I'm never for- going to forget what it is to be laying here with on this beautiful night with these good friends on some stranger's roof and just having these wave after wave of light and sound and color just hit me and literally just like take the wind out of me. So it's like for me, it, it has like a more personal sentimental value, but it's like I feel like I have a glimpse of what that is to just be so filled with these things that are just coming at you that that you just almost find the state of nirvana so that's my story that's a good story <laughs> thanks for reading with me Alyssa. what do, what do we yeah. have in store for next week there are two next weeks week. from now next yeah, episode our, rather. our next episode will be uh chapters five and six which mm. is a lot it's like as many pages as we've read so far oh we're Actually, gonna have to get faster like, with this yeah i don't know how we're gonna do it all um, but we're going to, it's going to be, so for me, it's, it's 60 pages and we ended on 60 pages. So, and we hope you're there with us listeners. Get ready. We, we've got some serious world building ahead we've of us. We've got some serious world building and we're only going to get better at this. And, and I just want to thank everyone who's listened so far to Wordstruck. Um, it's work in progress. We love reading with you. We love growing with you. And and soon we want to start hearing feedback from you guys. What, what are you thinking about the book? Like, what are some things that you took away from your first reading? Or do you have kids? Are you reading it to your kids? Like, let's talk about that. Um, and you can do all that and more. You can talk to us on the website. You can go to secretweaponproductions.com slash dizzy. Or, whoa. Nope cross promotion my fault that's dizzy channel original (laughs) friendship which you should also listen to on wednesdays uh nope we are uh secretweaponproductions.com slash uh wordstruck Wordstruck. that's us and you can find our show notes there you can find um just like a link to the book that we're reading you can see the art for our podcast you can learn a little bit more about our friends and what they're doing you can listen to some other podcasts there uh but that's where you can find us you can also find Alyssa on twitter Twitter? Do you want to give your Twitter handle away? Sure. I'm on Twitter sure. at uh, at Alyssa Small. And, and I am, Clark? I'm at... Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm at Clark Hodges. I am. H-O-D-G-E-S. Uh, you can also find me at uh, ClarkMakesArt.com. On Instagram is ClarkMakesArt. I'm an artist. Feel free to check out my stuff. Uh, yeah, you can find you my, so much. my journalism yeah, stuff talk. at AlyssaSmall.com. <laughs> she's a writer, guys. Yeah. And she's good at it. It's great. Yeah. And yeah, mostly design on my thing right now, but hopefully in the future there will be books. 
<laughs> it won't be long, guys. It won't be long. Don't worry. All right. Well, thanks again for listening, and we will see you next episode. Yeah. Bye. <laughs>